0: Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to a low. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app review us on itunes stitcher iHeartRadio, or google play find our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on twitter as at guitarist support the show merchandise is available in our threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com, and donate to us via patreon available at patreon.com slash practical Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Jim. And we're back. Hi, I'm David. Just, I'm just glad you you're you're not the guitologist today.
1: Oh my god. So the um the internet has been a buzz. Oh yeah. This guy is really popular right now. So Here's a guy who in one minute is slamming Guitar Center and talking about how he steals their garbage. Um, and then in the next minute is boohooing about how he perceives that um, Bill McKnight is treating people at Sweetwater and Guitar Center and places like that. So let's go. I'll get a little history because I, I actually started watching this when it first went up.
0: Yeah, you've so, seen more of it than I have. I mean, I became aware of it today, so...
1: Yeah, so the, the guitarologist, I'm going to make this as fast possible. A guitarologist came up and uh, uh, called Philip McKnight out because Philip McKnight put up a um, negative review of a guitar he got from Sweetwater and he intended to return it. He didn't fall in love with it. He returned it. He didn't say it was because of all the all the problems. He just said he didn't fall in love with the guitar and he returned it. So then he bought a used version of it and he returned that. So I, I'm guessing that he really didn't like that that particular Telecaster style. Um Fast forward, uh, he bought an amplifier that smelled like must. And it was so bad that he didn't realize that his hay fever and everything was getting to him. His wife comes home, sees how bad he's looking, and says, hey, what the hell is that smell? And they get it out of the house, and then they return it. That was from the Chicago Music Exchange. So then Reverb, who finds out, because he buys a, another one from Reverb, he buys a brand new one. Yeah. And... uh uh, reverb finds out and they say, Hey, we'll, we'll cover the, the difference. From what I understand, there is a, there is um reverb and Chicago music exchange. So the same are parent held, yeah, held by the same parent company or something.
0: Like that. No, no, they're owned by the same dude. I think it's a, I think it's a private organization.
1: Okay. It's a private yeah. or a private group of people. Either yeah. way, regardless, in other words, a um, uh just got all upset that that he was able to get these breaks and it, you know, he's, but the, you know, I've been watching Philip McKnight for years, and I know that this guy almost always puts together positive reviews, and he doesn't get paid for any of. It. So, um, and and he, and that's the reason I follow him. He's pretty genuine. Um, yeah, he's you know, a genuine
0: and, dude. You know, Philip McKnight. You can't say enough about good about the guy. I mean, he, he right. it, Go on. I'll, I'll get to it in a minute.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. He was. He's like me. He's a vet. Um, he got out. He worked an office job just like I did. Then he decided to go entrepreneurial, um, opened a guitar shop. He had a mom and pop shop, guys. So yep. he's not a guitar center, but he does know hey, it is hard when people return stuff. He knows all that stuff. So yeah. he, he's been on both sides of the counter many, many times. Um, and he said, Well, the reason that sometimes this happens to me is because I buy a lot of stuff. Well, that makes sense. If you buy a lot of stuff, stuff you're they get take crap. care of you. Right. And they're going to take care of you. If you spend money, they will get a bit more than the person that just shows up once in a while and always wants a break and never spends real money. Yeah. So anyway, long 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 story that that I want to bring to a close is Then he came out and he said, look people, do do the a favor, give him views because he's he's looking for views, you know, um, and he, and he, um he said well, just give him the GD views. Um I'm not going to use that that term yeah. on the show because I'm not really particularly caring about that. But anyway, um he says just give them the views. Um this is sweeps week and there is a reason and it is it's any anybody that does YouTube, we don't we, we're we not monetizing YouTube. Uh, but if you're monetized in YouTube, this is the time frame, the Christmas time frame mm. starts just before Thanksgiving, ends just after um what next week or so. Yeah. That is the highest paid time for your videos in um Uh, in YouTube. So if if you're going to get ads, this is the time to max it out. So if you're going to look to try to get some people and and you look, now here's the thing. Philip McKnight has X number of uh, subscribers. There is a very good percentage of his people that tune in every week. And there's
0: Yeah, a lot higher than some of the some of his uh, competitors.
1: Yeah, and I've been, um, uh, you know, I don't participate in the live show. I'm not throwing
0: him dimes no, at I mean Well, sports. it takes a long ass time to sit through that live show too. He does like an hour or two hours yeah, sometimes. So does
1: almost two hours sometimes? Because we do but, two hours. <laughs> yeah, and I and I appreciate the fact that you guys hit pause and come back and watch yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's why we don't do it live. Right, exactly. But he does this live, and I'll tell you, I've been there when I
0: logged in for a few minutes, and it was thousand fifteen hundred people on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, like people people like set aside time in their week to watch Philip McKnight. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean the guy he he has an obvious following and there's a lot of people that
1: like him. But now you look at the guetologist who has sixty thousand subscribers, some ridiculous number like that. And he gets like three thousand views. So obviously he's got a lot more a lot more subscribers than views. And a lot of people just haven't bothered to unsubscribe to him and the system doesn't automatically boot him. Um so uh, anyway, he's not, he's just, you know, he's not likable. He's just not likable. No, he comes he's across. Not. He's, he's
0: always got something negative to say He's an opinionated dickhead. And right. I I'll come out and say it cause I don't like him. And I, and I won't, I won't like turn around and be like, Oh, he was so cool. And I met him. Yeah. Honestly, the guy's a douche. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't believe this, like just stop and think for a minute. He took a guitar that had been basically what, what, guitar center does when they when they dump a really expensive guitar in the garbage because sure. it's unplayable and like say for example gibson says we don't want you to return this to us because we're not going to fix it up right um but they're legally g- obligated to do yes. what you're about
1: to say legally by yes
0: gib- right right so they take a they take a ball peen hammer or sledgehammer or whatever and beat the shit out of that guitar and it has right. these little marks that are in the top of it now That's right i watched a video where the guitarologist fished one out of the garbage Covered it with plaster uh, or Bondo, like yep. a car repair, yep. and then refinished it in, then a, saw- in a regular car, and then sold it! And, and uh, who knows whether he told that dude on the other end what he did. And, well, and all, even if he didn't, that guy may not. Right. What he
1: did... By fishing out of the garbage, is illegal yes. for a company. Yes, you're of
0: stealing reasons. from you're stealing from the garbage company. Number one, because as soon as it goes into that dumpster, it belongs to them. Don't right. ask me how I know that. There's a long story behind that. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> and it, and that depends on your city because the cops can go in
0: there. So I was very not- young and dumb, and a friend of mine and and I did something very stupid that involved garbage. So go on. <laughs> there's also insurance reasons.
1: You know, yes. you are not an employee. You are not covered by the insurance. You are not covered if you get hurt or Whatever. So, you know, as much as we think it's silly and we know it's kind of silly, it's still legally not yours. And the and the thing is that, that this guitar is legally not a saleable item because it's it's damaged beyond the repair that 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 um you know Gibson said it's trash, throw it out. Now, if you went to the dump and you went and you said to the garbage people, Hey, I want that, that's one thing. But if you go into their trash that's against the law and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that, that, that they should put armed guards on the garbage I'm just saying that he's got like a whole bunch of stuff because his his response video was was um, pretty pretty silly at best he, he acted like he was um a russian spy or something anyway uh oh i have uh, awesome guitar work and and this is good i, I use this for geeks and i
0: i'm tired of it i don't want to hear about any more of this crap to be honest with you it's what it's what the people that that follow this that that's the
1: problem we've got because what happened was it's been spilling over into other podcasts
0: let me me share three moments i've had with the gatologist, and then i'll share three stories that i have about philip mcknight and then let our audience make a decision about who they should be listening to at the end of the day um the first one from the guitarist, of course, is him refinishing that Les Paul he found in the garbage. Right. The second one is um, he got he bought a broken. And you assume he bought. He says he bought a broken Mesa Boogie, which you would think I want to say it was like a heartbreaker or something, but I don't remember exactly what you? I am. And uh, his video is tight is completely clickbait title, which is which is fine. Look, they all do it. Uh, he he made a clickbait title video. Mesa Boogies are are low quality or something to that, that effect. Oh, yeah. And then he, you go in and you watch, and he's talking about what's wrong with the amp, but he yep. has no background in how it happened. He really kind of nope. stumbles his way through the amp and working on it, to fix it. Yep. And, my, and, and the best part about it is when he gets to the tube sockets, he goes, these are really low quality tube sockets. These are like the, the worst I, you know, these are as bad as anything video. I've seen in Chinese stuff before. And I'm like, what the fuck are you on? What are you on? No amp tech I've ever talked to has said that Mesas don't put, they don't use top quality components. Like that's the complete opposite of what anybody has ever said to me. Right now. I'm not saying I, I know one way or the other, but there's just this big part of me that goes, you know, the five or 10 guys that I actually talked to that really know this stuff. Yep. have never said that, but you're saying it. And yes. I don't know you at all. Okay. And then, and then number three, is probably um, his little what does he call him? Shit post, shit post Friday. Fridays, just watch an episode. You know, what I, mean? I mean, honestly, yep, pick one and and just watch some of the dumb stuff he does. He got visited by the FBI recently for uh, what oh, was that about?
1: Because he he said that he was um, uh, an Iraqi terrorist or something. Oh yeah, he
0: made some comment about being um, oh in in uh, ISIS. Uh, uh, ISIS, yeah, he said he was an ISIS member, which all right, fine. Like that's he thought that was fun, but that's not really that funny. If you think about it. Um, I mean, no, and, let's face it. We've all said some politically incorrect, stupid shit, but I've never claimed to be a member of ISIS. That's
1: <laughs> that, yeah. that, mm. <laughs> what was funny. What was funny is that, that, so he claimed that he was a member of ISIS and then somebody <laughs> ran out and, and ratted him. They should oh, have. And they did. And should got up. mad He got mad. All they did was come over and and follow up. Now, Now, I don't think
0: the FBI should have showed up at his house either, but I'm sitting there going, well, you said you're an ISIS dude. Like you get what's coming to you at that point. That's like me during World War II. If I was to say, Hey, I'm a Nazi. I'm not obviously, but you don't say that kind of shit. Right.
1: So here's the thing. The, the, The problem is that had they not fallen up, followed up with someone, not necessarily him with anyone. And then that person and then later somebody goes, Hey, you know what? The FBI was told and they never followed up. So all they did was follow up. They didn't like
0: raid his house. They didn't come there with no, a no no. Well, when he framed his video that way, he was the yeah, guy that makes it from the FBI and made it into total yeah. state. It's like he number made, one, I wouldn't want to put that out there as two a video. Dudes, it was just two dudes in his local <laughs> cop. And that was it. And the two dudes go, hey, you know, are you a member of ISIS? Yeah, but keep it up. He's gonna get swatted. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's gonna swat him. Yeah, um, somebody is gonna swat him. Anyway, um I yeah, honestly you can bet. oh god, I just I watch the way that this guy behaves and he reminds me of um the the guy Will's guitar and he's Scott. About, yeah, Scott Scott a little bit, but, I, but he's Scott. more like a like a tinkering version of the Tone King. Hmm. In the sense that you can't believe like 3 quarter of what the guy says. Right. He's a hoarder of garbage equipment. Yeah. And and then fixes it up and resells it. I'm not, I'm fine with that, but full disclosure, you know, if it's a piece of shit and you believe it's a piece of shit, should you be selling it?
1: Yeah. If you sold, if (laughs) if you sold me a Les Paul with Bondo on it, I would want to know there was Bondo.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we had the discussion earlier today. I got the bad penny. That's what that guitar is going to be called. Oh, good
1: Lord. Yeah. All
0: right. So the guitar that I bought, the Ibanez I bought online a few months back for the pickup mule that we needed for the show. And then uh, I returned it to the guy because it was not as promised. Um and oh, I attempted to. I sent it back via eBay and there's a whole case and all that. And then of course it shows up back at my house 30 days later. I've been trying to contact the guy for the last forty-five days. Um about a week ago I said, you know, screw it. I'm taking it out of the box. I'm gonna fix it up. So I went and I got um I got the uh locking nut pieces from a Floyd Rose uh yep. terminal system, put them on the nut, and it, it's not working right. Um I realized I'm gonna have to pour money into this thing. So today I I Jim and I had the, the conversation of maybe I should go see if I can trade this thing at a guitar center and just get it off yeah. my plate. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm already, I do, honestly, I'm really close to just dumping this thing in the garbage. Like that's how angry I am. And um, so I went there today and they basically told me, well, we won't take it because um, they, they, we can make you an offer, but it's going to be so low that you're not going to take it anyway. And well, I I kind of felt like, well, I'll reserve judgment for that. But um, I, I basically said, you know what, this thing is supposed to be in my possession, I guess. Um, so I brought it home. i probably, am going to fix it up now. Um, but the, the thing here, and I guess how this relates to the guitarologist is that, um, I, Jim and I had this conversation and part of the conversation is, what if I sell this thing to guitar center and it ends up in a beginner's hand? So I had to make the quick judgment in my head. Yes, this guitar is awful, but is it playable for a beginner? And I was like, yes, it is. But the guitarologist that never happens. He never yeah. thinks about that. It's it, it, I mean No, he's how much money can I make? And I'm yep. looking at his social blade right now because Philip McKnight had mentioned it. He's made like f- between 4 and 68 dollars mo day most days during the holidays. So, and that's I mean, not a lot. yeah. but but for a side gig, for, you know, for a side hustle like that's a, you know, 1000 bucks a month, that's nice gear money. Yeah. So, I mean it's not bad. I, I, he'd be making more money if he were gigging regularly, but yeah, I was going to say, I would, I would rather gig. I, have you heard him play? Um, yeah, I yeah. have. You know, Philip and Guy, that's the one problem I have with Phil. Phil's a great guy. He's, um, he's always giving to charity. And actually, the video where he started to call out the getologist was where he basically said, Hey, this is my end of year thing where we look back at all the great projects we did this year, but we have one more charity to give to, and that's the getologist um yeah yeah which which, yes that kicks my ass because it's so funny but the thing is um he does these charity things and he's always very forward with the people that that uh watch his videos and he's always trying to give you like good information um but i feel like when i watch his videos sometimes they're a little dumbed down because it's like stuff i already know or it's one of these situations where um uh he's playing at you know playing something and he's just not the greatest of player and it, it's not that it's hard to watch or anything but we've talked about this on the show before better players build credibility for like you know saying hey this is a really good piece of gear but after you watch enough phil you realize like no he doesn't have to be a great player because he knows this stuff inside and out. like meaning right. he's been selling it for years exactly
1: and he's a, by the way he'll be the first one to tell you he is oh I know. primarily and first and most first and foremost bass player a base player yep. he is not claimed to be a great guitar player. As a matter of fact, he said it a million times. Yep. Not a great guitar player. Don't ask me to play you a solo. That's why he is not there going, and here's how I play over a G minor pentatonic, or here's how I play, you know, right. uh, following chords and stuff. My, because that's Yeah, not I mean, it,
0: it is what it is. So th- my third story about Philip McKnight, and this is the one that really does it for me. Um, of course, we are involved in the podcast community and many of the podcasts that we um, know of and talk to and have relationships with—they they're all um, involved in YouTube as well in some capacity. I mean, maybe right. they have a couple videos up, or maybe they have twenty or thirty videos up. In some cases, they have a thousand videos up. Um, right. And they some of these people have met Phil McNight, and in some of those conversations I've had with those people, that nobody, no one has said a bad thing about the dude. They're like, no, he's super supportive. Like he took time out to talk about our little show and talk about what we can do in order to either monetize and make more money or like how we can better focus our content. So we're reaching the right people. And, and in a lot of ways, he's become a guru for a lot of people that maybe aren't as well versed in how to run their show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that's like, honestly, that's, it's just, it's a cut above. I don't hear anything like that about the catologist. No. We're well, uh, the tone I, king for that matter. I'm we're actually, talking about the tone king too. You met him. At, yeah. at uh, the Paul Reed Smith experience.
1: And, I did. I met both and, of them. Phil, Phil McKnight and the Tone King. Yeah, and I, I can tell you that was of completely him. different. Uh, Tone King was like a, a used car salesman. He felt. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. With Phil, it was, it, it, you know, his, his um, thing is gentleman. The reason that Phil is genuine is because he's got nothing to sell you. He just doesn't care. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying that he, that he hates anybody or he does has a negative attitude. I'm just saying. You, you either like me or you don't like me. I'm just a dude. I'm not you trying to be anything. Don't,
0: you don't feel like Philip McKnight. Um, and you don't feel like Philip McKnight is. Um, I'm trying to think about the right way to phrase this. Shilling. Yeah, shilling. But it's not that he's not trashing like low end gear either. Right. He's saying, right. here it is. This is what it is. Just That's know right. before you get into it, this is what you're doing. That's right. Like, it's, he's not telling you, Hey, if you buy that square affinity strat, you got to change the bridge and the pickups and the, you know, like he'll do it. But, but he's basically saying, look, these are the things that a lot of people feel are inadequate. And if they work for you, they work for you, but just understand that like this might get you in the right path. If you're kind of questioning what's going on here.
1: And I think that a lot of, a lot of the popularity for um, Philip comes from the fact that the guy sits there and shows people he, his show is completely different. I mean, yes, he talks about gear, but it's more about, Got this guitar. It's a great guitar, but what can we do? Like it, it's not it's kind of like pimp your ride. I can't remember what he calls it. It's something something your rig or um your your axe. Oh, I'll mean, sharpen dude, my axe. And so he does this thing, sharpen my axe. If you look it up, um, and he takes guitars um and, and he does them and he gets he gets companies like Paul Reed Smith and Seymour Duncan and um, hmm. who's the company, not Warmoth, but the other one, Mighty Might or somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, and they send him the part. He gets the parts for free, but it's not for him. This is the beauty of it. It is not for him. He gets it. He puts them in. He spends all of his time sharpening the axe, and then bails it back to you. Yep. Yep. And, and he's like, I got your guitar. Here it is. I think better. And that's all he does. He does a proper setup. He replaces the pickups. Or whatever. But if something doesn't need to be replaced, he says, yeah, you know what? I looked at this nut. It looks good. I'm going to put it right back. I looked at this bridge. It looks good. I'm going to put it back. I looked at this bridge. I thought I could do better. I reached out to Schaller. Shaller sent me this. I reached out to Fender. Fender sent me this. I reached out to Seymour Duncan. They sent me that. You know, that's the thing that he does for people. So I think that's the popularity. I think that's the drive. He's got t-shirts that are kind of cool. His wife yeah. creates the artwork for. Him. Yeah. so
0: Dude, hey, you know, I'll tell you, at Gear Fest. I saw a lot of people rocking Know Your Gear shirts. Yeah, a and lot. So, and, and he's got
1: no interest in. He's got no interest in being a celebrity
0: no not really I mean uh, I didn't even see him there he may have been there um for all I know and he I from what I understand he keeps a pretty low profile a lot of this yeah. stuff
1: so. yeah he doesn't uh he doesn't go here I am so yeah, but yeah. He, is, he is doing a GNL l thing you might want to follow
0: yeah I'll probably I'll probably I mean I, I follow me already anyway but um it, so I want I want I want to make this a, an extension for the for the uh the listeners in the group um obviously we have a Facebook group you know like, subscribe. Yep. We have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, right. new, new videos are going up there. We're we're climbing the mountain. Yeah, we're you'll still. See what I all, mean
1: tomorrow. Yep. You'll, you'll,
0: um, you'll, actually, I think this will launch the same day that video does. So when I say climbing the mountain, you may actually know what I'm talking about already. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the the uh scaling the summit, etc. Um. Yep. <laughs> when I when I think about um, uh you know these guys and. Yeah, you know, We've talked about various YouTubers from Jared Dines and, and uh, Stevie T and all these different guys. Like, to be honest with you, uh, the thing I can stress most to our listeners before we, before we kind of move on to another topic is that um, all of these dudes, you have to put on your critical th- thinking cap when you're listening to them. Because even people like Philip McKnight and others, you have to know enough about the, the material before you listen to them to know whether they're full of shit or not. Right. And I think in a lot of cases it's really difficult, especially when you're first starting out with a guitar and it's, it can be really easy to fall into the trap of being like in a forum or something and hearing people talking about somebody and being like, yeah. you know what? These guys probably know better because they may be really experienced. Understand that their participation in a guitar forum or a guitar group does not make them skilled in any way. Meaning they don't, may not even be competent enough to understand how to adjust an amplifier to not have scooped Basically
1: um, There's a reason people called us clowns. I mean, you- and the fact is that that I don't claim, and I don't think you do either, to know every piece of gear. Oh hell no,
0: hell and, no! Uh, I'm asking questions all the time, right. and and that's where I'm going with this. So it, we look like we're like worshiping at the altar of Philip McKnight. I want you to understand, Jim and I took a long, hard look at Philip McKnight for a really long time before we've come to these conclusions. And you may, I mean, you may disagree. Bring it up in the group. We'd be, lo- I'd love to talk to you about it. But the but the point is. Versus the guetologist, there is no comparison. This guy opened up a can of worms. And right. I think it was a big mistake on his part. Um, yeah. I think that the I think that the bigger part of it is, you know, um that that he
1: uh he created a um he, he went after somebody for no good reason.
0: Yeah, you no know, he, well to generate hey, some income hey, for hey, himself.
1: We know, the guy said and that's the thing, then Philip McGuire said, Hey, you know what? He, said, guy, he knew what
0: it was. He yeah, he, he's, he just Go ahead,
1: give him some views. It's fine. Yeah, and then he gets mad about it. Oh, come on! You that that was just a play to get even more. And and I don't know why because he got like he didn't get a lot of views. So yeah, Yeah. it's kind of backfiring on him, I think. And that that kind of thing, kind of. So that said, so this is the this is the practical guitarist. We we are straightforward about what we think, but we're also straightforward about um, the fact that we want to bring you. You know we're infotainment. Um, so speaking of infotainment, tonight I had rehearsal and we're rehearsing. <laughs> for, we're rehearsing for our gig this weekend. We're playing at the Cavalier Hotel, and um, the uh, we're doing this private party. It's it's people with you know it's the ritzy thing and, and all that stuff and suit and tie type thing and you know kind of like a gig that you would have if you were on a cruise ship or something. Which I've been you know I've been watching a lot of those types of things because that's kind of where I'm. I'm we're we're trying to head. And, um, so while we're, while I'm watching this, um, uh, or while I'm uh, practicing tonight, I got to tell you, so <clears throat> usually when I'm in a band, you know, rehearsals, you can, usually you can tell what a gig's going to feel like with rehearsals. If you have a bad rehearsal, you're going to have a shitty era. I mean, a bad rehearsal, great gig, but, um, I can say this. As this band has gone, we have progressed so in, intensely because there's, I'm not bragging. I'm probably the shittiest musician in the band. I'm going to say that, um, but I, I'm in the company of some some people who have done Greece and they've played, you know, um, uh, to um, uh, different things like that. We're in their orchestra pit, um, and you know, uh then the on call people and stuff like that. So I'm you know very. This is a high level thing, and uh, today we rehearsed. We said, okay, we're just going to blow through it like we were going to. Gonna do a gig, and so we said, okay, first song, you know, first set. We'll take a break, and go, and let me tell you something. It was like it was like somebody sprinkled magic fairy dust on it, just just like that. It, it was uh, the band, just like it'll be on Saturday night. It was just incredible. It sounded good. It felt good. It was so spot on, so precise. For some reason, all the crap that you go through to get there, suddenly you realize this is why I do this. And this is why I enjoy doing that. And I can see this, you know, as we, we talked about more songs and stuff that we're going to do after this day, I'm like, wow, this is going to be killer. Mm-hmm. killer. Great band. And, and the reason I mentioned that is because that's what this is about for me. Everybody's different. David is going to speak to what he's been doing, <laughs> what his, his project is. <laughs> for me, that is what it is. Getting My, my fuzz pedal Oh man, when I cranked on that, it just woo the whole I mean it just in the mix. I hate it when it stands alone. Really do. Oh but yeah, because that's the point. Fuck that thing was incredible. It was just awesome. It felt so good. Even in funk tunes, guys, that thing was Yeah, just
0: it buzzes right at home in funk, let me tell you. Stellar, stellar you want that squashed like super compressed like really nasty snarly overdrive for funk music i
1: smacked that thing up into the i i smacked the hit them um, tritones
0: to see how that goes for you
1: (laughs) yeah i smacked it up into the net pickup rolled back just a little bit on the volume started to crank on that thing and those guys were like wow what
0: (laughs) what What is is that thing (laughs) Yeah, I it saw was, one of those used today for sixty
1: bucks. It was gnarly, nasty, and awesome at the same time. Wow. That's all I can say. Loving it.
0: So, um, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you got to get comfortable with your guitar not sounding like it's in, you know in control, and that and that's the hard part. Um, yeah, th- no, you're right. Like, everybody has different goals, and when you achieve those goals, like, you get that feeling. I, I honestly, the project I'm working on right now. I don't have a project yet. I'm I'm working with somebody who's a listener of the show. We're right. talking about doing something. I've been giving somebody lessons. Um, I am gearing up to do metal. Right. And when I say metal, I mean like the heaviest stuff I've ever played. Yep. And Jim Jim heard a riff the other day that uh, I had recorded. I sent him I said it to him and, and let me let me tell you the story. I said it to him, and I said, here's the new intro for the show. <laughs> And Jim I listens like to it, and Jim's like, "Oh no!" Jim says, to me, "He's like, you think this is gonna narrow down our demographic?" And I responded to him, "I was like, dude, I'm just kidding. What the hell?"
1: I knew you were you. You put JC or something, just yeah, to, I did. or, it, or whatever, but yeah. I, I I still thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, this is this is the kind of thing you could really do. Now tell the listeners how you you recorded it (laughs) because i I said oh did you finally get your seven string and you went no no no, that's how i did it single coils
0: uh from my from my s500 so kind of p90-esque through my helix with two amps in the helix right i got a 5150 going and a mark four mark four right and then uh i believe greenback cab for the 5150 and then the mark four is through v30 and then uh the, of course, out front, I used a uh, tone shift right. down to B. <laughs> That's that was what killed me. It sounded so good. <laughs> you heard it, and you were like, "Did you get your seven screen yet?" And I just started chuckling. I was like, "No way, that sounds terrible compared to the real deal." Um, yeah, but I
1: thought that, um, you know, you're you're thinking it sounds terrible. But I see,
0: covered my tracks
1: really well. Let's put it that way. Yeah. See, the the thing is, and this is what I wanted to express to the listeners, is you can make it. Se- if you weren't in the room when it happened, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. That was the thing. That was the thing that
0: got got. And uh, I, I did send it to another listener of the show and uh, he listened to it and he had some, he had some positive things to say, like, like point me in the right direction of what I should do with it because um, the, the clip, <laughs> the clip ended up being like, I guess I'm not used to playing with as much gain as what a metal player would typically play with. I want more articulation. So I'm. he's like, yeah, it doesn't have enough gain on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I reamped it this morning, and I yeah. played around with it. And uh, I got it sounding notably more vicious. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like, I don't really have a lot of experience doing this music. So I'm kind of on a crash course right now. <laughs> um, and that made it even funnier when I did the uh, the video I did today, the one that I sent you the clip of, because there's a section in there where I try to make metal tones with it. and. Um, and I was listening to it I was like, I don't really think this sounds like metal, but what do I know? <laughs> that was kind of the way I looked at it. I was like, what do I know? My my idea of metal was like Iron Maiden and like shred music, right? See, so yeah. Now my idea of metal is like, let's see what where, where we can push the limit. And I've been listening to like The Haunted and stuff like that lately. So it's going in a really different direction.
1: right. <laughs> Now see, yeah, you're you're like me. And so for me, metal kind of peaked at Iron Maiden. That was where, and I'm not saying that Iron Maiden was the all tell all. I'm just saying in that in that, in time that range
0: and venue. And
1: that, right, and that and that type of thing. The the bands that didn't get a lot of radio play. So I'm not talking about the quote unquote hair metal guys, I'm talking about the uh, bands that we relatively underground, but still playing uh, and really knocking it out of the park. You know, you listen to Iron Maiden, and, and at um, some point they reached the three guitar thing. You know, yeah, had,
0: that's the zenith in my mind. Yeah. Actually, Brave New World was probably the record. Yeah, where yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah,
1: I mean, if I had to, if I had to pick my favorite Iron Maiden albums, I would actually have to pick my albums that I didn't like versus did like. Because there's only yeah, a couple. of because there's only a that handful I like
0: didn't like. That you're right. I liked a lot of the Paul Diano stuff too.
1: Oh, me too. Me too. But um, Diano just was. It, it wasn't the reason they kicked him out. wasn't because of his singing capabilities. Although that was holding them back because he was more of a punk.
0: I don't. I mean, I don't have anything negative to say about the guy. I just. Right. I felt like uh, there's a lot of people now who are more in love with the Bruce Dickinson era. Right. I didn't like the guy they got. And those are the albums I didn't like. Uh, those are the, the ones that after came. Bruce and mm-hmm. then the other Bruce. And, and then, yeah. then they yeah. brought Bruce against the back for Brave the World. And yeah. that was why that record like hit a chord with me because it was like them embracing the fact that they really are progressive metal. Yes. And so that was really important to me, but also because like the production on that record was really good for yeah. a band that, for all intents and purposes sort of should have aged out at that point yeah um and they didn't so no no
1: perfect um you know acdc's newest album that they did right before brian johnson left um i enjoyed that um you know there's a lot of bands that age out though and they and when they put out an album it's like i really don't want this it, this is so bad think of it, it what would you say was a, ba- a band that you
0: loved, aged out, did an album, and you were like, uh I don't usually keep those in my, my back pocket, really. I um, think somebody that just, like, should have quit. Well, Def Leppard, in my opinion. Def Leppard. That new album was just. Amazing. Well, not even just the new album. They should have quit when uh, the other guitar player died. Well. I mean, honestly, I don't think they had that much great output since then.
1: Uh-uh so no the two albums what was it uh oh the album came out right after that but yeah but i think it was Adrenalize, right that's the one that kind of went
0: yeah yeah
1: that was the one i think
0: i know that's in the list of really poor records in my opinion um and of course it's an opinion i'm not trying to ruffle feathers it's just how i feel about it well i gotta i gotta
1: tell you you know so for me
0: dream theater um kind of i wasn't they only buttons. got two records I really, really adore. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the vast majority of their output, I can yeah, care yeah, less. I yeah, really yeah. liked Images and Words, yep. and I liked uh, the Metropolis Part Two. Oh, yeah, and that's it. One of my that's best. it. Oh no, I like Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence as well. No. I take it back because I like that record too. But um, yeah, but I can uh, everything since then, especially after they kicked Portnoy out of the band. That's what I'm saying.
1: Everything after Portnoy has just been. Uh, I could take a Let's leave. Let's see how that's fast I mean, we can
0: make the them. drums go. That's that seems like what they're doing now. Yep. And it, the other thing is like they made a record that was like, how how much like extreme metal can we be? And I forget which one that is, but I remember listening to it on the radio and I heard James Labrie start growling and I went, "You're fucking." Kidding yeah. Oh <laughs> I was like, "You're fucking kidding me."
1: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's one of the things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna um say something about a band that that people are going to hate before, but uh, what the heck we're already going to the on uh, the hate train right? right so um red hot chili pepper i don't oh, think yeah any oh, yeah there were so many i mean they had some great stuff when you know, frusciani left they were and, done but, yeah that's what i was gonna say when One Ch- when Frisciani left and then he came back yay and then he left
0: <clears throat> well so was when like, he left the second time like i think the under the bridge record i know people that's uh what californication or whatever yeah i know a lot of people hate that record that was their pinnacle that was like okay they're like, mainstream successful uh right. moms and dads are buying their record for their kids and themselves and, yeah. and i kind of like sat there and i went well where do they go from here and right. then brishani leaves again Oh, uh, yep. was Frusciante was on that one, right? Yeah, I think so. He was
1: on that album. Then he left. Then didn't they bring in Jane's Addiction's guitar player?
0: No, I think Navarro was, was that before, before that. Yeah, he was there
1: know. the first time.
0: But anyway, anyway. when Frusciante left after that record, right? It was bad, and yeah, they're was, still bad. I mean, this is basically Flea and um Chad Smith and and yeah, uh,
1: and yeah, Kaidicus.
0: Ke- I don't Akitas, but I don't know. I don't know who is. Um, I don't even know who the other guitar player is. And I don't care.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I was just <laughs> saying. I just many, don't care. How many times have you heard of a band where they replace somebody and you were like, whatever. Don't know. Don't care. That's like the Bruce guy that replaced Bruce Dickinson. Don't care.
0: Yeah, very much so.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. It it's It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, um, we know that Richie Faulkner replaced um, uh, Tipton in Judas Priest. But that's because Richie Faulkner, you know, was given blessing. He was like, Tipton was like, hey, look, Parkinson's too bad. I cannot tour. I need you to come in and take my place.
0: I honestly thought that Judas Priest was done when um, when, um, when
1: uh, Tim Ripper Owens came in. Yeah, and that was my, that was really one. Uh, th- that's the last time I listened to a record by that. But then again, you got to remember, I grew up Green Man I grew up with Diamonds and Rust. I grew well, up with, you know. Yeah,
0: I mean, they've become really like a really deep metal band when they yeah. were a hard rock band. Right. And That's I know 100%. people consider them British heavy metal, but they're on the hardest rock side of British heavy metal. Yeah. Like, they're not – I mean, I would consider Iron Maiden with all the triplets and stuff heavy metal, but I don't consider – Judas priest the same until their later records when they started getting into the double kick drum and all that stuff
1: yeah, see for me, it was hard to listen to turbo
0: lover, yeah, I mean I, was, it was okay, but i I just <gasps> when 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 Tim Owens took over, they probably should just right after like that make it a hiatus yeah, and then like should've... you know we're putting this on hold indefinitely until we figure out what we're doing.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like, so um, I, I was a fan early. Um, uh, Unleashed in the East was my favorite live album other than Kiss Alive 2, and then, um, or Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive 2, and then Unleashed in the East, which was their live album. Then they had British Steel. Mm-hmm. And then you had, say, so Breaking the Law. You had all that stuff on British Steel, you know, Gods of Thunder. I not going to um, uh, And, and um, then you come to... Uh, um, uh, later, you've got um, uh, the 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 pinnacle for me was "Screaming for Vengeance."
0: Yeah, that album. It, you nothing well, for tough. Vengeance. Everybody likes that record. Screaming for Vengeance. <laughs> oh God! Uh, so if we go back for a minute, I want to I want to share my my uh, my thoughts on Judas Priest and and like how I perceive them. So my Judas Priest are the ones you can find the YouTube clip on, and I forget I even remember like what album it's from there's a song they're performing on like the old gray whistle test or something like that. And they're dressed like hippies. Yeah. And he's got like a, one of the guitar players. I don't even remember which one it is. He's got like a, like a big like farmer's hat on and a piece yeah. of straw in his mouth. And I'm going, what the fuck is this? This isn't Judas. Priest, Cause I knew Judas priest before that, like yeah. as in hell bet for leather, you know, right. where's the leather, where's the studs, where's the motorcycles, where's the freaking Marshall stacks. Like what the hell is this crap? But I actually fell in love with that, and I'm like, yeah. "All right, this is the kind of metal I want to listen to." Where like he's got like the Jethro Toll style of metal, where right. it's not really metal; it's kind of folky and like kind of silly, and it's a bunch of hippies trying to be dangerous. And you just gotta laugh because you're like, "You guys wouldn't even hit somebody." <laughs> you know? yeah. Then later yeah. on, you're like, "These guys would beat the shit out of somebody." <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the um
1: yeah. So for me, I, I the first time I saw Judas Priest. Uh was the British Steel um tour. So that was like 1976. I was I was 12. It was maybe 76, but kind of been 77, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 76. And then right after British Steel, they went me the, uh, they went in the thing and they and they come out with with Screaming for Vengeance. I went and saw Screaming for Vengeance tour. Holy crap. That was when, you know, I just said that that is it. This is the this is the pinnacle of success. And of course, at that time. You had um uh th- that's when Iron Maiden did their lineup change.
0: They had Sad after- Wings of Destiny too, didn't they? Sad Wings after Destiny that? was in but be-
1: yeah, in between. Oh, okay. There. Couldn't and remember. um but I didn't I didn't catch that tour. And then uh Iron Maiden, right around that time, comes out with uh um you know, they switched to Bruce Dickinson, and I hear this
0: like, number of the beast comes out and number of the beast changes everything.
1: And of course, then you've got ACDC putting out back in black. I mean. At that time, hard rock and heavy metal, if you think about it, from 1977 to 1982. Other than KISS, there was no hard rock. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this band called Van Halen breaks the windows out of everybody's, you know, thing. We yeah. Had, we had we had British Steel, and then we had Van Halen, and then we had,
0: you know, it, it just kept mounting. There's so much diversity there too, because none of those bands sounded alike. None of That's them. Nothing. The it wasn't like, oh, I gotta sound like those guys. Yeah, yeah. No. When the new metal thing happened, and they're like, oh, rock is coming back. It was like all the bands sounded the same. Right. I was watching some clip this morning, and they were showing the greatest moments of 2018, and they were talking about like Aaron Lewis and stuff. And like, I'm sitting there going, dude, Stain sound just like like Incubus and stuff like that. And I'm not, that- not saying Incubus didn't sound different later because I've heard some of their later stuff, right. but like all these bands were trying to sound the same. And of course they've all changed and some of them are better now and some of them are worse. But right. the, the whole point is like when they started, they were, you know, Hey, let's see if we can tune down to C, yep. and let's see if we can write a song with like five chords. And yep. we're going to have a bass player who plays a five string bass yep. and we're going to have like this funky hip hop part in the middle. it was like
1: it was like so cookie cutter it was ridiculous yeah so let's talk about some of the gear that was coming out at that time
0: because you mentioned the five string bass thing right yeah 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 the ibanez five string basses and they were almost all using ibanez's and paul reed smiths that's what i was going to say so
1: everybody had a prs they all were playing custom 22s or custom 24s they were all playing ibanez five string um what's the what's the bass series
0: i don't even remember It was sound or whatever yeah yeah
1: I don't know. I, I couldn't fall in love with them. I hated them. So, so it was. It was okay. I just
0: look at that goes and I go, it's an I'm in his base. That's the way I look at it. I remember
1: because right around 2000, late 90s, early 2000s. I'm reading the. Um, I'm reading the ad. You know, we get back then you had these papers. That oh, had yeah. You had music- those things that I right. hate
0: magazines.
1: Yeah. Well, no, they were ads for musicians, like, you know, locally. Oh, so right, you'd, right, right. You'd open it
0: up and classifieds for musicians. Yeah. We still have right. those nightlife. Right. Oh, they
1: do. Yeah. So this was pre Craigslist. I open it up and I'm looking through, and the ad says um, no long hair, <laughs> no Fender, no Fender, no Gibson, no Marshall no long hair that's that was in the ad and that's for a metal band and it was for a metal band. and it was like so here's what the kind of bands they were covering Chevel or chavelle um yeah and yeah but that's you know, like so they to, metal
0: that's like yeah, other. it's screamo yeah. and emo yeah. and
1: it was all this stuff and to me that i don't think all sounded heard. the same you know it was like
0: i'm gonna be honest with our listeners i don't think i've listened to a single song from that generation of music I, I, I don't, can't. Th- I, I, you tell us say Chevelle, uh, what's the other one? Dashboard something or whatever. Dashboard Anthem. I don't know what the fuck their is name the was. And, and you know what? Honestly, I have never listened to them. Just, they've probably been on the radio. Like when I've been around. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have a hit, but my whole point is like, I completely missed that generation of music. You know what I did? I drove around. I had Appetite for Destruction stuck in the car at sta- <laughs> the car stereo when I was in college and I liked it. You know, like that's, that's the way it was. Um, I had, and that's not, that. that's not a joke. I actually had an Appetite for Destruction disc. I think I still have it. That was stuck in my CD player and I could not be yeah. <laughs> reject. So I drove around and if I didn't like what's on the radio, they're out to get me. <laughs> you know, yep. Mr. Brownstone, like the <laughs> night train. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I, I
1: listened. So I bought, Appetite for Destruction was one of those things. Oh, where I had it like
0: multiple times now at vinyl, this point. Yeah,
1: vinyl had, had gone. So it was cassettes. And I had a cassette player. Then I got a CD player. So I got the C and that was what 1990, 91? 80, 87 is when they actually well, it came up. out in 87, but I'm talking about CD player. I probably had
0: oh, it yeah. 91.
1: And so I finally bought this. I broke down, but I had CDs. Don't get me wrong. I started buying CDs in the 80s, uh, mid 80s. Yeah. But they were they were expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh so it was better to just get a cassette. Um, and then I got a CD player that I could. They had that cassette adapter. Did anybody ever have one of those? You had oh, the God. You know, you had it out of the headphone out, you'd stick it in the cassette thing and it would play. And it was sounded terrible. <laughs> it sounded like shit. <laughs> it
0: yeah. Awful. I I had one of those. Then I had the one that you you
1: stuck this little thing into the headphone jacket. It was like an FM transmitter. But of course, anywhere you went, something went over it. And so you'd get all this, you know, crap. So I finally got a CD player. So this would have been, oh, yeah, early 90s. But anyway, so I went through two or three cassettes of um, appetites for Destruction, and then I destroyed two or three CDs. I've got one, um, but I, I ripped those up. I mean, it was just it was just one of those. There's a lot of CDs that have sat in my car, um, and you'd be surprised probably by them. When I was doing a lot of vocals, you know who I used to warm up to? I used, I used to use Barry Manilow. So I'd put the Barry Manilow CD in and I would warm up vocally to Barry Manilow. Then <clears throat> I would get a little higher and then I would I would listen to like 80s pop stuff. So I had all these 80s pop like RC Records or Bronco yeah. Records and whatever um, Roadrunner is that the okay, company. Okay, right 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 right. <clears throat> and um, so I would buy all these records and I would put all these things in and then believe it or not I would get to Air Supply. And I knew that by the time I could sing Air yeah. Supply full voice, okay, I had everything good. And I could start singing the stuff I, I wanted, right? So, Yeah, I had this um, whole playlist. Yeah, I—I I mean, but it was it, the, the gear at that time. Uh, as we talk about that for the popular bands, um, you know, you had Tank and all this
0: stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that was like on the tail end of where I was talking but, about.
1: But Stained, you mentioned Stained, Incubus. I could not tell the difference between those two bands.
0: All right, all right. So Stained's first record was. Okay, so it was like Creed's first record. They very obviously both of those bands wanted to be like darker hard rock music. And then Stained has that outtake on one of the Family Values like compilation live album. What's that? And What's that acoustic song that they had? That was that's really- what I'm talking about. Outside yeah. or whatever the name of it is. Outside, yeah, there it and is. like that song took off. People really, really liked it. So then they went and they did like the studio version of it, which was terrible. And they should have just like left it alone and just been like, yep. you know what, this is the version of that song. Like, right, it's a moment in time, and we're gonna leave it there. And then they and then they got a better producer, and they and well, arguably better producer who decided that they were gonna clean him up and make them like an overproduced hard rock band in the vein of you know all the other. Groups of that over produced hard rock, uh, yeah. And you know, I some of the bands I still follow from the area, like Deftones. I yeah. like Deftones, but I think Deftones they they the went back right? to their roots after they did White Pony, right? Um, which because they had records before that. Um, but you had you had wannabes there too, you had Mudvayne. Oh, yeah, no, well, I mean, that I'm they mad. were nothing like Mudvayne, but yeah, so Mudvayne, Slipknot. Yep. Um, and all these other math metal bands of that generation were like all cookie cutter, same cloth kind of outfits. Yep. And it was really kind of strange to watch it all happen. Yep. I mean, perfect example. Um, Rob Zombie, right? Right. His brother has this band called Power Man Five Thousand. Oh, I know that was his that brother. Was, yeah, that's why they were both theatrical metal, and they were touring together and everything else. And that band basically imploded yeah. because of, well, fear of piracy and other things. Uh, it was kind of embarrassing. Um, but it's just one of those things, like, well, I can write on your coattails because I can do the same thing. You, you can help produce me and, like, yep. be all cool. So I don't know. I just think that that generation wasn't being driven by the musicians so much as it was the producers. And they were looking for people like, oh, well, this is easy. We can make them sound just like these guys, and we'll just take care of that, care of it that way. And some of those bands became big hit bands like Nickelback and Creed and, um, you know. Three Doors uh, Down. Three Doors Down is a good example. Uh, with a Puddle of Mud, which is one of the Puddle guys of not. Like all of those bands are very, very similar. Um, and if I have to hear that stupid fucking Kryptonite song, one more goddamn time, I swear, the fucking payola on that song, they, I, 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 their royalty checks just must be insane. I'll tell you.
1: So I'm going to tell you a story you're going to hate me for. So I was I was dead set against listening to I think I've, I've told you before that I was I there was a period of time when I would not listen to rock radio. I just I was done with it because everything to me sounded the same. To me, I could not listen to Soundgarden and, um, uh, you know, uh, all that um, uh, stuff that was coming out at that time. And, of course, everybody was wearing, you know, was the whole flannel shirts I didn't
0: really to- like all that stuff at the time either. And because right. I was really young. Man. One thing. Yeah. But in retrospect, coming back, like, I can appreciate a lot more some of that. Yeah,
1: some of it, yeah, some I, of it I do. the late 90s. Right. I come back and I go, well, you know what, you know, that wasn't so bad. I mean, but at the time it was like, all right, where are the guitar solos? I just want to hear one person play me a guitar solo, please. And um, that doesn't sound like, you know, it's out of tune or or just, oh, uh, we're just, just going to insert guitar like,
0: solo here. Yeah. yeah, like, here, let's just put some noise. I'll play three notes and it'll be cool.
1: Right. And so... Um, all of a sudden, I saw a video um, where this guy was supposedly a superhero, but he was this bad old guy, and he's running around, and, and the song was Kryptonite. And I was like, oh, finally, there's somebody playing their guitar. You are responsible there.
0: for that fucking song.
1: I loved that song. Oh, I I'm so sorry. That song.
0: Oh, God. I still love that song. I love okay, playing I it,
1: and I love listening to it. And it's unfortunate the real guitar player passed away.
0: Um, oh, I, I didn't know that. May structure. he rest in peace
1: yeah drug overdose things but but that you know I mean people die, but um it was uh you know it was one of the few things that kind of brought me back towards guitar and 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 finally saying, You know what, finally some people playing, but then somebody played me man of the Box, and I was like, Wow, I missed that, that was awesome, yeah,
0: dude, <laughs> that was an awesome song, Rooster, man in a box yeah, you know, yeah. like, and all of a sudden uh, I was like,, my Alice whole son. yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, Black Hole Sun has a a guitar part on it that's basically a solo. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I said, "Well, wow, I missed this.
1: But I missed it because it was so much crap,
0: you know, that That, I went... That was, like, embedded in. You know, you had to, like, get out.
1: You had to weed through to get to that. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sorry for all the Nirvana fans, but I just could not... I couldn't yeah, listen. and it was easy
0: to identify Nirvana with pretty much everything else that was going on in rock music at that time. Yeah,
1: I don't blame Nirvana because I am a huge, huge, um, uh, you know, Grohl fan. That's not what.
0: Um, yeah, but that he's not responsible for Nirvana. No,
1: like and Nirvana I people... was
0: not responsible for their own popularity. No, no, not at all. I think it was uh, just an accidental thing. And yeah,
1: I think it was it was it was a reaction. I'll tell you right now, Leonard Skinner never would have been as popular as they are. Had it not been for disco. Yeah. Because people were like, please just get us something other than disco. And it wasn't disco's fault. I mean, can you blame people for wanting to play? Like right now, everybody's doing country, but they're rapping, and every country song's got this in it. Yeah. And it's and its minimal beat and this. Listen, what is it was, yeah. Ed Sheeran hour? I mean, come on. Yes. Play something. Play your instruments. Country's getting dumbed down to the point of that, of that.
0: Well, country country is trying to strip itself back because, and I think it's a reaction to the overproduced country music. But now it's like, that feels like overproduction. Right. Cause it's Because it's like too intentional. What yeah. they need to do is get some fucking bluegrass players to play country music again and get it over with and get away what? from trying to be, uh, you know, because I've said this before, get away from trying to be 80s metal superstars because yeah. so many of those bands – I went to see Brad Paisley, and I think I did it while we were having the show. And when I, when I saw Brad Paisley, Paisley, the two bands that opened up for him, one of them was basically like an 80s metal act. They had the yeah. big hair. One of the dudes had a freaking mohawk, and, like, there was all these bright colors and spandex on stage. I'm like, what the fuck am I at? What, what is this, know, poison? Like, what the hell is this?
1: Now, yeah, so I'm going to say it because I love Brad Paisley.
0: Brad Paisley. Now, 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 his band know. was not like that. I want to make that very clear. His band was not like that.
1: Right. And he's the kind of guy, he can finger pick what Andy what Van Halen was doing. But that's because that's his style. Yeah. You know, we were talking today at the, the band and they said, Jim, you know, the one thing about you is you will you will play every style we want to play. You'll, you'll go from Def Leppard to, you know, Taste of Honey um, to, you know, whatever. And you'll do everything in between. And you're not bigger than the song and you know that the that popular in a song and i think that that's that's what's lost on a lot of guitar players the guys that played um with, with guys like keith urban keith urban unfortunately has to me has gone over to the dark side
0: he, no, well he, i never think he's anywhere but the dark side frankly but well,
1: I, it, there was a there was a point you know if, if you talk to his guitar taxi that guy is an extremely talented guitar player who unfortunately just like lady gaga is going to dumb down his music for um, the almighty Dollar, and, and we've talked about this before. When do you, when do you stop calling it art and start calling it a day and just call it a job? And unfortunately that is what some people are doing there. They're just calling it a day and they're calling it a job and, and um, they want to make money. I see, I can see making money, but do you need a bazillion dollars if you've already got a zillion dollars? I mean, if you're People
0: making, trust their art there. So when you're an artist, you don't trust your advisors, trust your instincts. And yeah. I see these people like him specifically trusting their advisors more than their instincts. Right,
1: right. I mean, a guy that can play the banjo and play the, the, um, the mandolin and play the guitar the way he can, who turns around and then puts out the shit, <laughs> just utter shit that I've heard him put out in the last couple albums, all for a couple of bucks. Come on. And that's, that's the thing. We talked about that. <clears throat> that. That really goes to any kind of music. As soon as somebody gets, look, well the, the Beatles created the British Invasion. It's not their fault, but as soon as the Beatles hit it, you had to have British Invasion. Everybody had to have a Liverpoolian accent, and everybody had to hit um, big. Um, and then, you know, the 70s, we had disco. Then everybody had to do Ring My Bell types of music. You know, and now it's a horrible song. It, it is an unfortunate song, and then um, so then there was a knee jerk reaction of the fans. After a while, they're like, "You know, I've heard the same song 175 times on the radio today," and that's what happened with me with with rock.
0: That's um, what rock. happened to me with that song, uh, "Kryptonite." Yeah, Jim, I literally, I, I, I don't blame you. No, no, no let, let me explain. So, so we had um, the drive, and we had the loop here in Chicago. I used to listen to the loop all the time um, because I thought the drive was the old man station, which I quickly became the old man. Let, let, let get to this. So (laughs) the the loop did not play very much contemporary music. Almost everything they did was like pre 95. And even then, like they might play one Nirvana or two Nirvana songs a day. It was, they were not embedded in that, in that stuff. But the one song they would play over and fucking over was that kryptonite song. And what got me was one day I heard it, and i and I wrote down you know a tally mark on a sheet of paper, and I okay. wrote the time, and I heard it three times in an hour. see, and I, I was like that's enough. I can't do
1: this anymore." I was lucky enough that number one i didn't really listen to the radio, and number two, I caught it on a video, so you can imagine how less how very little I saw it, and number three um I, uh, I I caught it at the tail end. It was already waning off the stations by this. And they started playing, you know, their other stuff. And so I did notice that they used b minor, G, and A a lot. <laughs> Pretty much that's that, that's that guy's key. But again, that was another band where they were like, okay, you're the drummer, but people can't see you. So we're going to bring another drummer in, and we're going to put you out front. We're going to make you the lead singer. He was the lead singer, but he was behind the drums. Uh, that you know, it, it's kind of like they, you know, they do like you said. You get advisors, and you get told where to go, and so. Um, but I think, like musically, uh, my dog is banging on something
0: over here. Anyway, I can't hear it So
1: Yeah, well, it sounded like somebody was banging on the door, but I know it's him. Oh, he was in the bathroom. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, uh, he was hit the toilet a drink? with his oh no, he was hitting the toilet with his tail. Oh, it's a very small room. Um so anyway, what I was getting at is that, that musically at some point every time something hits big, the people who see dollar signs are creating a new one. I mean, as soon as as soon as uh, uh Amy Winehouse who is just a, a horrible horrible person to look up to for anyone um, in any way, shape, or form. Unfortunately, as soon as her whiny, growly voice became
0: popular. We know also, how Jim feels about Amy Whitehouse. Let's so that, just, just leave it at that. <laughs> hey,
1: maybe she should have gone to rehab. Um, oh, God. So, uh, yeah, and stuck with it. But anyway, um, you know the, the, the whole thing is that as soon as Lady Gaga hit big, or as soon as Katy Perry hit big,
0: look at what they've done. I mean, they've just created cookie cutters all oh. of those people are identical to Britney Spears, Megan Trainor. I mean, yeah. I, with the exception of maybe Lady Gaga, but yeah, they all come from that Madonna blueprint, right? And even Britney Spears, um, and Megan Trainor is exactly the same in the yeah. sense that, yes, she's alternative in the sense that, like, oh, she's not exactly because she's not the idealized concept of what a woman looks like, but it's like. This is the woman for all the people who don't like the idealized concept that we've already presented. Right, <laughs> that's what I felt like, and I was like, "Are you serious? You guys really did this?" I was like, "Come on, get out! This has got to be a joke, right?" I know. Like,
1: and the thing is that the the, the song gotta get that other three percent of people who don't listen. Sorry, don't be a hater, but I'm gonna hate on people. It's it's the same. It's the gittologist of of songs, um, you know. But the but the point is that um so what was her name um pesha the ke yeah. dollar sign eight cash dollar sign ha well anyway she um she came cash. out yeah kasha anyway Kesha comes out and she's like she does all this poppy stuff and she's like oh you know what i just want everybody to know that my life has been crap and and really i went through some hard times and um now i'm gonna bring real musicians in i'm gonna do real music and 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 I'll tell you somebody else who said he was going to do this. <laughs> um, his name was MC Hammer. So <clears throat> MC Hammer did the same thing. He pulled the same crap. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to bring in musicians and we're going to do this right. And it still sounded like garbage. Kesha did the same thing. She brought in real musicians. But they overproduced it. And they, st- and they just buried them all.
0: In- yeah, I mean, that's not what killed Hammer's career, Jim. You know what killed Hammer's career? Hammer. uh, No, (laughs) no. What killed Hammer's career was the fact that he came out with the parachute pants. And like, he was the, the embodiment of like the over the top era of new Jack swing. Right. And then all of a sudden like gangster rap hits. And then he puts out a gangster rap record. No one, no one was going to buy that. Like, what the hell was he thinking? Um, (laughs) Just keep doing what to your advisors. Yep. Again, you know, I mean,
1: let's face it, you know, NWA, um, when they came out, they were they were doing
0: something real. When you had those guys that. uh, Yeah. Whether you agree with their attitudes or not, like um, legitimately, they had something to say and they did. And and they were they were the punk rock of their era, despite the fact that there was a lot of it was put on. But, yeah, they were the punk rock of their era. They really were.
1: Well, a lot of it was put on, especially by again. You had that—is it Puff Daddy Combs or oh my god? Um,
0: but there, whatever the hell was, he's calling himself these days. Yeah, but there, you know, Shug, Big Suge, or something. Suge like, Knight was that was the uh, ring leader in that whole thing. But the—that's uh, But really, it he was Dr. Dre was him. the one that was writing everybody's stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah there were other guys involved. And obviously, that some of these guys had enough personality that they made the music their own later. But like those first couple of things that they all did were all championed and written and pushed by Dr. Dre. And then he got in bed with Suge Knight. Right. And that's, he got in bed with him because it was a bad business deal. But yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's a whole thing. Like it's a very jacked up uh, story and situation. But it's the same thing as what happened to punk music, too. Yeah. You had yeah, a couple so was, of people that were like doing the whole thing and and they were taking off for everybody. And then all of a sudden music industry gets a hold of it. What well, do they do? They commoditized it.
1: Oh man. I, <clears throat> exactly. I mean, when I saw, you know, guys like the dead Kennedys and, um, uh, who is it? Um, Nancy, uh, the one Nancy, um, I know you know what I'm talking yeah. about. They killed. killed um killed her or she, they killed the right 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 well, that, that whole thing it was it was real it was raw it w- it really did come from that place but then we got pop punk
0: yeah well so it
1: even poppier until it it kind of peaked at green day
0: oh yeah, well yeah i mean i would argue probably even in ramones but um i watched so, i mean the pop punk not Real punk, peak. I don't think, I don't consider the Ramones to be real punk. I think that was the beginning of pop punk and I think that was as good as it ever got. Um, That's my own personal opinion. You can share it or not. I don't care. Uh, Back to the rap music thing and I know this is not something our listeners want to hear but um, it's really interesting if you stop and you think that within a span of like 15 years you went from, st- not even 15, probably 10 years. You went from straight out of Compton yeah, big pimping. Yeah, now think about what that means. Yeah, you had yeah. a marked focus shift from what's real. Yep. to Guys partying on a yacht, pouring champagne all over women, which yep. was totally derogatory. If we look at that video in retrospect today, it's embarrassing that people found that to be like a great record. Wait, wait. And
1: because that, those are the videos they're still producing.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about
1: just them. No, I
0: know, but that's my I, point though. That's I, what happens when you commoditize something. It ta- it goes completely from about communicating something to making yeah. it a saleable product. That is, you know, this is the party song for everybody except for the people that don't want to womanize. Right.
1: <laughs> and that and that's the problem that we we run into is we're we're supposedly in this um community of people who um, we're starting to say, okay, well, we have to be a little more sensitive, and we have to not, you know, womanize as much. And the same people are se- yelling and screaming, we shouldn't you womanize her mu- as much. Are people like Miley Cyrus? Oh yeah, and <laughs> Miley Cyrus is the last person anybody yeah. should be listening to she, when it comes to. She's a womanizer that. herself. <laughs> that's like, that's like having um, uh, uh, P- Pee Wee Pee- 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 Herman. Um, come out and tell people that they shouldn't be um, uh, jacking off in of movie
0: theaters. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just it's, it's, on his birthday, <laughs> though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> on his birthday. Um, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's that's what happened to Pee Wee Herman's career, people. And so...
0: Uh, it um, ended up on the floor of the porn theater. <laughs> 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 oh, it's Uh-oh. terrible. I don't want that popcorn. Uh-oh.
1: So, yeah, it, it, the the point that that I'm making here is, though, that it, there is there is this this thing where at it, first it's real. Um, but I can go back to my roots and I can talk about the, the Vietnam War era when I was a kid
0: and the, um, the songs that were coming out. Of yeah, Vietnam like the protest apart. music from that time.
1: And that protest music was real. I mean, if you listen to. A lot of that protest music—it was—it was was real, it was raw, it was coming from a a place in their heart.
0: And then they decide to synthesize it, and all of a sudden, you've got like other bands that are making fake protest music. uh, And then all of a sudden, it just becomes something it's not. And that's thats exactly the crux of this problem.
1: Yeah, early Pink Floyd was was um, you know real and raw, um, kind of punkish thing. They were different.
0: Yeah, they no, weren't really man. concerned with having like to keep up with the twenty-five other bands that were trying to sound just like them, right?
1: But somebody's got to. Jimi Hendrix, The Who. I mean, the reason we don't have
0: bands like that anymore is because nobody's taking a chance. Nobody's on taking them chances. Then. Yeah, we have talked about that before. I mean, yeah, Frank said that was the that was the error of the old guys who would take risks, putting their kids in charge of the companies, and the, and their kids making decisions that were largely based on the fact that they had young families and they couldn't take risks and that taking risks, we know that in the American way of thinking that taking risks is part of what makes you successful. If you don't take risks, there will be no reward. Right. Um, That's essentially the kind of the proverbial way of putting it.
1: Let the, let the other record companies do the cookie cutter and you lead. But if you're not going to lead now, uh, now I saw something interesting. I saw, um, A drummer um, who was interviewing a guy who um, was uh, the guy who took a chance on Jason Aldean, and I went, I went, well, if you look at it, I I hate to, I hate to admit this because I'm not a big Jason Aldean. He did stand out in the crowd at that time. The problem is, then all of a sudden, all the cookie cutters came behind him. He was the first one. He was the one that did Johnny Cash. He was bringing a, a, a certain rock sensibility to that country that had become so like you said overproduced and over whatever he came out with johnny cash and he said i'm my band is going to do this and they and they had three huge albums and i'm again i'm not i'm not telling people to run out and buy jay's no no no, no,
0: no, but we like i get what you're saying like they looked in his case they saw something in him it was like well we can kind of produce him like we do the rest of these guys but he has enough different that like it may actually sell well. And right. so maybe it wasn't as calculated risk as, you know, or it wasn't as incalculated a risk as it seems on the surface. Cause that's right. what, that's what I believe. I believe they looked at him specifically and they said, he's just different enough that we oh, might yeah. get away with I mean, this. He was, he's, uh, you look at the guys that are around him, he was a little
1: chubbier, not fat, but he was a little chubbier. He had a little bit of what one might call baby fat on him. He had a, a rock and roll attitude. He had tattoos where guys at that time weren't have their tattoos. He was, he, he had a band that was raw and he used his touring band in the in the studio. That was, that was the risk they took with that guy. Now, now, again, he was the first one to do the, you know, with the minimal thing, but he didn't do it on every record. Now it's everywhere. I mean, you can listen. Yeah, to that's
0: the thing. Like now they've seen he's the new thing. So let's all jump on that bandwagon yeah. and do it exactly the same and country music is really bad for it because they, if if somebody has a successful record they'll just go get the same songwriter right. like I, I mean it's absolutely mind boggling how many country songs are basically like the same five chord progressions because okay. they're using literally the same people yeah. over and over
1: there's a there's a group of people who get into a room almost in a literal sense yeah, if not yeah. in a literal sense who go into a room and go okay pitch your ideas today it, we're going
0: to write the chorus
1: writing. you know <laughs> that's it that's it um, and then and then this one goes, hey, we should add this. This one goes, hey, we should move this. And then they present them to the record. There yeah. are people in Nashville right now who make a living. There's a lot of who people in Nashville demo. Who make a Yes. They, they just create demos. They don't even they, they're not the ones rating the the one that's on the on the record that,
0: that you hear. No, no, no. They're 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 doing the mock-up so that when they, they can sell it to the record company who buys it without an artist. That's they're right. buying the song and then going, we'll find an artist to do it. Be, where, where do people think these backing tracks came from originally? No, because these these studios, when they're down and they're not, they don't, they're not selling, they got to have something to put out. That's it. And that's why you see some of these guys, like they're clearly in Nashville. Um, right, so,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it, they're, they're, um, they're creating this stuff because these backing tracks that you hear, you know, it's like 15 minutes of, of uh, D minor. Yeah. Well, that's because that's because that's what you're going to hear in the fricking um, lobby of a hotel. It's what you're going to hear in the you know in a on a, a um in the background music of a of a movie because you don't want um music that's got copyright,
0: yeah. Or they can't put it for whatever reason they can't put it into one of the libraries like Sony or BMI, right? You know there there are what's the other one ASCAP or like ASCAP
1: like library yeah, ASCAP. so
0: you can buy that and license that kind of stuff. So yeah. what they'll do is they'll. You know, they'll put it together and they'll throw it up on YouTube and monetize it. Right. And every time you, you listen to one of those, they're getting a play. And some of those guys are getting like 25,000 plays a day. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, you know
1: they're incredible in it right now. And I and I'm certainly not um somebody to put that down because it, it, it's great because i believe You're it or not like, I, I put I put um you know backing track mix and I just hit play and that's what I go to sleep to is yeah. listening to these. Oh, well, it's
0: really easy to go to sleep to a backing track, let me tell you. Because they are boring as shit. I yeah. gotta, so speaking of
1: that, I wanna I wanna ask people. So some of these backing tracks, they're they're fifteen, twenty minutes long.
0: Oh god, I can't stand them.
1: Aioli, a aeolian or iolian. So I need
0: like six minutes. D Aeolian at max. And all all the good ones are like twenty minutes long, and you're yeah. like what the? F- like, how many choruses do I need?
1: And I'm thinking to myself,
0: 20 minutes of it. Okay, it's
1: I fine blues. to lose. Like I said, because I can go to bed and I can let it play all night long. And literally, they just, 50 songs. I'm not even halfway through that mix when I wake up. Right, right. Um, so uh, it's incredible the amount of time they can spend. Here's my question to, to our listeners Have you ever actually played along to an entire track? I mean, I
0: can yeah. do it.
1: I don't have yeah. that many ideas in D minor.
0: Yes. Who <laughs> <It> has? <laughs> oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> Cause I'm too lazy to just hit next. Like <laughs> I'm like, fuck it. I could use some more practice for for you know for D Mixolydian. Like this is fine. Um But no, I mean with with all honesty, like, yes, I've I've played through some of the really long ones. 30 yeah. minutes of A blues. There's somebody, uh, quiz jams or somebody like that, who's doing, um, they have a 24 hour live stream of, of blues progression. And I'm like, this is nuts right here. If you really think about that, what that actually means, that's insane. You could sit there and you could play blues for 24 hours a day. Yeah. That's why would you ever want to do that? Like I would kill myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I don't like the blues, like, listen. First backing track where I want to play to warm up is a 12-bar blues because I know the chords, you know? I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, and it helps me to warm up. But I, I sincerely understand where you're coming from. And I don't I, – listeners of the show, please, explain to us why these backing tracks have to be so damn long. Yeah. Nobody plays a solo in contemporary music unless you're in a jam band that lasts more than maybe a minute at yeah. max. And so I get It's insanely long.
1: <laughs> I see these people that put up um, posts of, okay, playing this backing track, and they're doing exactly what I think would happen. They start playing something that sounds and interesting. And then
0: they repeat themselves.
1: And they repeat them. They repeat themselves. And they repeat them. And they repeat themselves. And they repeat themselves. You get the do idea. Do I repeat myself
0: when I do it, Jim? I was thinking that I was repeating myself. Jim, Jim, do I repeat myself when I do backing tracks? Be honest with me. You can be honest with me. Okay. Well, at some point you need to find a hook, right? You need to, yeah. that's you're going to come back to a hook. I try to find something lyrical that I can kind of repeat over and over. Italy. Right. So, but and I so know I, that's a danger of it.
1: That is why I don't mind if somebody does a repeat, but it's when they repeat, um, and they repeat the same thing. Like they'll they'll play over the thing for the first like twenty seconds. sounds yeah. interesting but they
0: repeat that first 20 seconds like verbatim How many verbatim yeah yeah it's like well these are the only 10 licks i know yeah no don't get- stop learning looks learn to learn to talk with your instrument damn it
1: <laughs> exactly a lot of times when i'm listening to the backing tracks when i go to sleep i'll go you know what, what i'd like to try to play over that and i start humming or singing something um but the problem is the next day i've heard like 400 back- I'll, I'll tell you what's spooky so this is, this is true. I was listening to one of the backing tracks. They were like spooky backing tracks. Not like spooky, like, woo, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: just like, you know, very minor and very, very dark. And, and they worked because I had nightmares.
0: <laughs> Subliminally, they're selling you products. So not yeah. only do they monetized from one side, they're like, they're like, Jim, Jim needs to go to the adult bookstore and buy whips and chains. Yeah. Jim needs to go to the adult bookstore and buy whips and chains. I already got all that. Oh, good God. No, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you should put that
0: gag in your mouth right now.
1: <laughs> but no, on a serious note, though, that's the thing I, I was like, yeah. So what I usually do is I'll sit down and I'll, you know, hum a few bars, so to speak, of what I want to play.
0: That's what, a great way to write solos, folks.
1: Yeah, and so what I'll usually do when I play to a backing track is I will play the backing track like I'll let it go for say one round, let's say it's four four chords. I'll let the four chords go by, and then I'll come in very minimally and play um you know something over the the four chords. then I'll add to that and add a little bit and add a little bit. and and each time, just like a vocalist would a vocalist isn't gonna go you know uh, crazily around you know stuff, unless you're a scat vocalist and a jazz type thing you're gonna be relatively close to the hook but you've still got to have enough differences and and unfortunately when you're playing instrumentally and this is what instrumental musicians will tell you when you're when you're playing instrumentally you kind of want to create something that sounds or feels like a word so in other words like last time you bent into a note this time you're going to slide into a note or you're going to bend up back down and then out or whatever in other words it's what you called
0: lyrical right yeah yeah um my thing is like, I'll hum a melody and then I'll dance around that melody. I don't, I don't actually hum it. Like that's the wrong way to think, but you can do that. And, and that's fine. Like, that's kind of the way I started was like, okay, so I'll I'll have the chord progression on a loop if I'm going to record a, a solo or something and I'll listen to it. And then I'll just kind of, you know, kind of get in the mindset of like, okay, what do I want to say here? And then I'll, I'll kind of form a melody in my head then I'll sit down with the guitar and try to express it, right? And then that's where things open up. Especially if it's a phrase that you can repeat because then, like you said, phrasing becomes so important. And I don't think of phrasing the same way that other people do. I think about like comedians using different accents and different right. voices to portray different characters and things like that. And I think that really helps. Um, that goes back to what um, the talented Mrs. Smith, who was on the show recently, uh, said to us, which she she basically indicated that Um, when she writes music, she thinks about like popular things like movies and songs and television shows, and then uses that to structure the song by looking at the story beats and like what's going on in this part versus what's going on in this part. And how do you express this differently? Um, I have not gotten to put her theory into application, but I really, really do think there's something to that because it relates so clearly to what I've already been doing for so many years doing ourselves no. yeah yeah
1: yeah i can i can understand it because like um unfortunately i'm more of a vocalist right I, I i am a lyrical person in a literal sense so um i'm only just now starting to feel like i'm able to express myself because i've never been this is the first time folks that i've been the guitar player i've always been one of the guitar players And if you Isn't it great to not compete? It I I don't know what I was doing wrong for years and years. I always wanted that. Um it was a crutch. It really was. It was it was me going out in a walker.
0: And and I did not I do not like it. But the thing is, I've never had an experience where somebody who could play on the same level as me. I'm I'm starting to get that now. I mean, I'm I'm getting that point where there's somebody I know that can play like right up alongside me. He may not believe he can yet, but he's he's right there. And right. when he gets there, like that's where things are going to come together because then, like, we can write for two guitars. That's my problem is I've yeah. never been able to find somebody who can play what I play, and I'm not yeah. trying to like, you know, ego trip myself. I just don't know a lot of good players.
1: Right, and it's and it's hard because um, so now with the keyboard player, I can say okay that keyboard players playing a melody, but a lot of times the, the keyboard player goes into where they just, he's just playing chords. And so I slide in and, and musically we go like this. And so I hear people who complain about playing with keyboard players and other melodic. Oh,
0: and that's and no it's fun as hell. I'd much rather play the keyboard player than another guitar player, unless they're, it. you know, competent. Right,
1: right. right. And that's the thing that, that I've got a competent guitar or keyboard player. But, but the thing I was getting at is, it's a lot of times because I'd have a competent guitar player over here, they'd say, Well, I already got a something. They, they already did Yeah, solo. I got
0: this filled out. Like, don't worry
1: about it. I got it. You don't have to worry about it. You're you're the singer, sing it. Um, and so I, I would sing and then I'd never get the chance to be that guy who took the solo, you know? And so it might my music was kind of dumbed down um to, you know, playing chords and tracking chords, which there's nothing wrong with that, but all of my soloing was at home. And then I'd come in and I'd go, hey, I'll play the solo. I know, you got you got so much else to do.
0: I got that. I can't remember. There was a um, very famous session player who played with James Brown when he was super young. This is a, this is a throwback to um, Amps and Axes. Go back and listen to some of those episodes. There's some great stories about guys having to deal with adverse situations in music. Um, guy was playing for James Brown. He was really young and he came into the band and he, there were already two other guitar players in the band because if you know James Brown, like he had like thirty different musicians on stage. Oh the yeah. And so he comes in, and the two guys are like, "They're like, we've worked really hard to create this space in this band. Don't fuck it up." Like that was their instruction to him: "Don't fuck that up." So they they basically showed him like, "Just play the parts as we tell you to play them." And he was playing them, and then like one night he started going off the band, and they basically told me said. You can't do that. You don't understand. We have worked way too hard to make this space for you to fill it. Like that's, that's what this music is about is these spaces. And, right. um, another funny story from the same thing. And I'll, I'll share this because is a laugh, but they, they, um, <laughs> they, it, he got fired from this band and he went on to play for like Paul McCartney and all these other guys. And, uh, he was a guitar player for, um, David Bowie as well for many albums. Um, and, uh, Anyways, part of this part of the story is he says, so I got fired. And he's like, I got fired because I guess what, you know, he used to say hit me. And then the band would do their thing. Right. And like it all hit a chord. And he's like, I didn't hit one night. And he's like, I went to go collect my money. And he's like, well, you got docked. And he's like docked. And he's like, well, James said hit and you didn't hit. (laughs) So they were like, yeah, we're docking your pay. And then yep. got fired for a very similar was, thing. It was like
1: <laughs> Yep. That was um, so that was a big thing back then was docking the pay. And what would happen was the lead the lead musician would say, Yep, dock your Pay, and, and a lot of nights these guys went home with nothing, literally, because he'd say, Oh yeah, and, and then they started realizing, wait a minute, this guy's just saying oh, I'm missing stuff so he can take my money. That's really what was going on behind the behind the scenes. And so it It became a thing uh for a long time, Carlos um, Alomar,
0: by the way, it was Carlos Alomar. told yeah that. yeah, yeah so if you yeah. want to check out the episode, check out the episode with Carlos Alomar.
1: yeah, I watched that,
0: which is a great episode by the way, yeah
1: um, oh yeah there there's um uh music is uh you know we've we've said this before, it's a language, and you've got to be able to speak a language but the um the thing is that i I see a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with playing a lot. Problem is playing a lot from start to finish. It sounds like you're listening to somebody who's just sitting there talking and they're not even stopping and they're not even taking a break. And then they don't even take a breath. And then the next thing you know, you don't want to hear them anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the curse of shred.
1: Yeah. That's what, and that's what happens. And the, and the problem is, I mean, shred, good shredders
0: take a breath. They know how to take a breath and take a space and, and kind of sit back. Good Shredder, Robert Fripp. Bad yep. Shredder. Um who, uh, what's the guy's name? God it escapes me. It immediately popped into my head, but I can't I can't recall.
1: I mean, if you listen to if you listen to Vi, if you listen to Satriani, if you listen to Malmstein, they know when to take a breath.
0: Well, Malmstein may be the one in that oh, category that yeah, I kind of disagree with the, the breathtaking. But that's kind of the point. And he was the first guy to do that in in my estimation. It was the later guys that, like, repeat themselves over and over. I mean, your Jason Beckers, your Marty Friedmans, those guys kind of know what they're doing, like, in terms of, like, putting yeah, together a lyrical structure and stuff. But um, there's one guy, Rusty Cooley is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, Rusty He Cooley. is not doing that, <laughs> okay? Not at all. <laughs> like, let's see how fast I can go today. <laughs> yeah, he's got fans. I mean, there's a lot of fans, Rusty well, Cooley. Well, yeah, but there's always fans of technique. And, like, I look right. at Rusty Cooley, I go, God, that guy's got some technique. But yep. at the same time, I'm like, I, can't, I don't really like his music. I don't right. want to listen,
1: listen to it. Right. I can't listen to two songs in a row. Right. That's the problem. And and uh, I think that, that people forget that there are – that is the that is the point, is if you're going to make music, unless you're just making it for yourself, you're putting it up on the internet. You want other people to hear it. Other people, to listen. And so with that, you want to make music that people will listen to
0: gotta have air in it um so i think it's time to switch topics i don't know what we want to what what other topics we are gonna cover i have one thing to say before we go on yes Um, i want to thank jason fuzzmonger um he has increased his patreon uh from the one dollar level well the the as minimum as you can get to the five dollar level thank you very much uh mr fuzzmonger uh, we really appreciate it. And um, I hope to be able to see you sometime this year at some event. Uh, I will buy you a beer or whatever I got to do. Um, and we need to talk about what we're going to do with gear fest. So I may
1: stop at his place. If I go up and visit my daughter, cause he's only uh, an hour away from my
0: daughter. Yeah, you should. Um, so uh, gear fest, uh, yes. as we've been talking about this, I'm going to, I'm going to publish the information in the group. Um, it's January, January as of, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday or whatever this episode airs. Yep. Um, I want people to start thinking about like, are you going to be able to go? Yeah. Um, and if you can go, I'm planning on, cause we're, so we're going to try to get a, an Airbnb yep. over there. And um, this allows us to have, I, I want to do a cookout or something and have people that both people that we met at gear fest um, to come by you know, hang out, maybe listen to some show episodes in the background or something, and just hang out and like have a beer and a hot dog, and um, you know, just I we I don't want to have to police people, so alcohol may not be a thing. We'll have to talk about it. Is something that because I don't want to be look. I'm not a bouncer, and you know, and I know people tend to get a little crazy, but we'll do drink tickets or something, um you know, you, you come, you present your flyer to us. I will give you a drink ticket or two. And have a beer just so we can partially, I want to be economical. The other thing is I don't want to, to do cops. I nope. really don't. Nope. Um, so if anybody knows anybody in the area who is able to facilitate this kind of thing or something like that, please let me know. I would be happy to reach out to them. Talk yeah, to I've them. got a, I've got a friend I'll reach out to. Okay. I, that, that may work. That may work out in, better than trying Fort to do Wayne, it in Right in Fort Wayne. So it'd be. That may work out better than doing it the Airbnb. I was going to look into see if like there's like a, um, a park district or something around there, and if there's any permitting we have to do or any of those kinds of things. It's going to be a pain in the ass. I know it's going to be a pain in the ass, but but I'm I'm planning on doing the the groundwork for this. The other thing is we're going to have an Airbnb. I'm going to offer it up to Patreon supporters first. Um, If people need a place to stay, uh, we're going to try to get a decent accommodation, um, and I may have a better two available that we can you know you can pay me ahead of time i will get the airbnb reservation you will be able to stay with jim and i and play music and just hang around and um harass us after the thing uh the intention is to come down a day early for me um and kind of hang out maybe see some people that are going to be there that day and then do the whole show thing which is going to be i mean it's it's wall to wall you're there pretty much every day all day Um, but the evenings are cool. And then there's some cool restaurants in the area. We may do a gathering or like, you know, invite some people to go to a restaurant or something. There's, um, yep. We went to the Hoppy Gnome. That place is. That um, wasn't. Yeah. Hoppy Gnome. And then there's a Shigs and Pit. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I've been there. Shigs and Pit, you know, also known as pigs and shit. Depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Uh, Good barbecue. So, um, the main thing is like, I'm doing gear fest this year. Like I'm, probably not going to have the amount of money that I thought I was going to have to spend to go. And like, there, this is more for fans than it is for yep. me to go and buy gear and for Jim to go and buy gear. So if you like, I kind of want to make this our annual meetup. It's like halfway between Jim and I, it's less than halfway. It's, it's closer to me than it is to you, Jim. Yep. Um, but it kind of works. And so if people can venture forth and come down and meet us or come out and meet us, it's a great event to go to anyway. Yep. And Jim and I'll be there. So, I wanted to just step this now.
1: There's not enough room for everybody. Realize that I um I can go to my friend's house
0: and stay. Oh no no no, we're we're staying because I want to be able to podcast and stuff in the evenings while we're there. Like we're gonna make that work. But I'm just saying, like, if somebody really wants to do the crazy super fan experience, we can offer it to you. But I'm not thinking anybody's gonna want to do that. And I really don't think that it's that big a deal anyway, because you'll see, Jim and I are just regular dudes. Like, you don't have to sleep in the room next door. It's cool. We're, we're fine with that. Um, <laughs> I would much prefer, like, you hang out with us and eat lunch with us or something and um, maybe come by the house or something and jam for an hour or whatever in the evening. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it's it, Um, the intention is obviously to meet up, have a good time, you know, yeah. um, have a beer, you know, you put a face Pass out business the- cards. Right, you put a face to the name, and you realize, oh, these, these guys are—they're just
0: as douchey in person as they are on the on the podcast. You know what I didn't do to hey. last year, Jim, that I should have done? Okay. I should have been handing out business cards to actual people just walking around. Stop, yeah. have conversations with them, talk to them about whether they like the gear, and they'd be like, "Hey, I just want to let you know, I run a podcast. If you're interested." Well, I, I think that the card, first time you go to something like that, you're a little bit. Um, I was more interested in meeting the builders and then the performers. And like what I should have been doing was trying to build the audience for the podcast. Right. So.
1: And, and, and that's what you people are the most important thing. Everybody that's a listener, they are the most important thing. You folks that um, are on the other end of this, you are why we do this. Um, I know I've said this before, um, but remember um, when we go out there, I'm going to drive, I got to drive. I think it's, what, 900 miles?
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be a hell of a drive for you. A
1: 16 or 17-hour drive for me. I'm going to get out there. Um, but I've done it before um, because I used to have an office out there. And I would drive from Albany, New York to Fort Wayne because I live in the Albany, New York area. <clears throat> and um, it was just it was just something I did every time. So I would drive out there um, and I and I stayed. Now, sometimes I would fly. Uh, my boss preferred me to fly, but sometimes it would take my family, so I would drive. And it's uh, not a bad drive. It's it's enjoyable. But the point is, um, I, I know the area, and I know the, the people around there. And There's some fun things to 750 do. 750
0: miles and 11 hours and 35 minutes, allegedly. We know right. that. We know that that's not, yeah.
1: That oh, that's, that's not bad. So that's a 12-hour drive. I do that when I go home. Oh, so I can do that. I can do that in my sleep. Matter of fact, I'll probably
0: sleep most of the way there. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding stay off the road hey if um, we got any hitchhikers in the group that uh want to hitch a ride with you? no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm not
1: yeah, yeah, if, <laughs> yeah, if anybody wants to to share in the driving responsibility i can fit one i have a i have a um, honda civic and it's gonna have gear in it because i'll be bringing like my amp my,
0: don't um, bring too much because i'll tell you right now you're not gonna have a ton of time no, like I'm gonna bring it's my rig,
1: and my guitar, and that's
0: it. That. I would, yeah. I mean, I would bring like the smallest rig you can, yeah. that is reasonable, because um, yeah. you never know what people are going to show up with. We had it. We had somebody show up the last one with a, a offender vapor, vaporizer, and I was like, I was like in a road case, and I sit there and I shook my head and I went, "What the like? You brought a road case? Like
1: what? <laughs> wow. No, I'm bringing like that guitar, that one, yeah." Yeah. That one. And then um so my PRS SE, um, uh, my floor, you know, effects, uh, yeah. my amp one and my Hughes and Kettner cabinet. And yeah. uh that'll be it. Um, really. So I'm gonna try to maintain a small footprint. It's just so that we can play through each other's crap.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I'm probably gonna bring I might bring my Mark V. And what I'm hoping is I'm, I'm gonna, gonna bring try- my my new guitar. So um, I'll come in contact
1: like with, yeah, I'll come in contact with my friend up there. I'll find out where the open mics are. Hopefully we can hit an open mic.
0: We have, some uh, yeah, I mean there might be something like that. I'm not as concerned about that. There's going to be enough musicians around. That won't be. Um, well, hopefully I would probably get embarrassed because like all the Sweetwater employees would, are in that town. I was
1: going to say <laughs> what I'd love to do is find an open mic where like somebody like Greg Koch or something like that is there, and then oh. we can play in front of Greg Koch and we could really be embarrassed.
0: <laughs> oh, Greg Koch would just destroy us. Like no. that's not even worth doing. I would rather I would rather just like hang myself in the bathroom or something. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. But if we could get time, maybe my buddy can open the backyard and we can we can jam there. Or
0: something. Yeah, yeah. Really no, it it's like, be fun to have a jam. So the Airbnb thing, like we did the last time, we had a basement in the place, and that would have been a perfect place. You just go down there, set your stuff up. First, get there. At the end of the day, you come in. Like, and if there's yep. two people with us, we just go down there and play for a little. Yep. And then go out to dinner, and it's—I mean, it, there's not a whole lot to do in Fort Wayne. Nope. I mean, there it's is, like, yeah, um, it's—I, it's not it's like really a tiny town. Tra- town, but it's. Oh yes, it, it is. It's no. a small town. I've come from smaller towns than
1: that. Well, okay. yeah, I—I I grew up in a much smaller town, but I'm just saying that those of you who think there's like that, now Fort Wayne does have a mall. It's got a Best Buy. It's got all that stuff. You used to have a stadium.
0: It's,
1: kind of like Albany, New York. I mean, they have yeah, a stadium though. You got to remember that uh, what's the what's the basketball team there? It starts with a B. The, the um, well, I should say the um, the college. It's right there near near. Yeah, there's a
0: well. There's a baseball team there too. Uh, well, there was – they, didn't they have like an offshoot of Purdue there or something.
1: Purdue, yeah. There's Purdue. They're offshoot of Purdue, and, and I'm trying to think of the the. Um, anyway, the, a lot of famous basketball players from that area er, area. A lot of stuff, but there's a lot of farm country. You you do not yeah. need to go very far outside and of they, town.
0: In 20 minutes in either direction, there's the barbs boom. as far as the eye can see. And, and the land is flat. Remember,
1: this is Indiana. The land is flat. So those of you who are oh. used to like mountains and things, you can tell where you are. No, that's yeah, not no. there.
0: It's not, it's not as flat, flat as Texas, but it's flat. <laughs> it, is, it is really flat. Um,
1: there's, there's really no hills to speak of.
0: Little tidbit. When I lived in Texas as a kid, we lived on the edge of town. And you could go out and you could see the next town. You can see yep. their lights at night.
1: They yep. were 35 miles away. <laughs> oh, and it's an Amish country out there too, Fort Wayne.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's of, Amish stuff and
1: yeah, a lot of Amish country. You got to be careful driving because you'll you'll see
0: the um, not so much in city limits. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see much of it but at GearFest. But when know, I would
1: fly in, folks, I'm going to tell you about the airport. My airport experience.
0: So I was going to ask Jim if he wanted to fly in because I could drive him. You know.
1: Yeah, I flew in, which I I will consider. But, um, so I flew to Fort Wayne from, um, Albany and I get to Fort Wayne and, and I go outside and there's one The taxi. one, taxi, they, they got me to my hotel. They uh, have rental cars? Um, yeah. And so, um, the next time I rented a car, but the first time my boss was like, oh, you don't need to rent a car. You can find a taxi, and get up to."
0: She what a taxi
1: <laughs> exactly i said to her i said there are two in the whole town i just paid more for one taxi ride you're gonna to have to get me back there too then i would have paid to rent a car for a whole week that we're here she goes yeah i kind of figured that." but anyway <clears throat> she thought she was saving money she didn't anyway so um i worked for frontier communications at the time so um uh the um uh oh so I got into town and I saw the, um, you know, the stuff. So I said, geez, I'm going to have to get there two hours ahead of time. So I get, to the, I get to the airport two hours ahead of time and it is not open. It wasn't open. Yeah, it, I believe it. I believe it. So Finally, somebody unlocks the door. They go, are you waiting to get into the airport? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, hold on. Opens the door. That's me in. There's a vending machine. Yep. Yep. A vending machine. Yep. And a soda machine. I said oh we don't have restaurants hotel. Oh, no. There's no restaurant. Or I mean at the at the airport, there's no restaurant.
0: How, how many is years we, ago was this? Because I wonder if they've expanded the airport system. Oh, now. this is only a few years ago. Oh. Yeah, how many is a few? When we're you?
1: out there, I'll show it to
0: you. Jim, how many is a few for you though? Uh
1: twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Okay. All right. About six years ago. Yeah. It hasn't been that long. Um now I understand there's a there's another um airport. But it's further towards Indianapolis. Yeah, I've, I've flown in and out of Indy too. Um,
0: yeah, it's not know. my favorite. <laughs> if you're if you're sensitive to pressure, flying in Indianapolis can be frantic and painful. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I, when I was out there, I was looking for houses, you know, and so I was driving towards Indianapolis because driving north was not really an option. Too much farm country. But um, yeah, it's it it's it's different. I mean it's
0: not small small town. When I say small town, I just mean it's it's probably a half it's a very industrialized small town. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like there's a lot half, of maybe. industry and shit there that you would not expect to find in basically what remains a fairly rural area. Yeah. I'm hoping that Nick Bongers from uh Great Lakes Guitar Pickups will come down. He talked he's talked about it. My um, dog was born out there. So <laughs> come out. Uh this is my my pre advertisement advertisement. Uh, If you're interested, hit me up, Um, come out and see us. If you've got time or if you're planning to be there anyway, if you don't know who we are, maybe you will after there. Um, That'll be great. And uh, yeah, so we'll be, I mean, we're not being featured or anything. Jim and I are going as guests and that's what I want to make clear to everybody. Like we don't, this is not like you're going to not see us because we're in a press booth or something. No, we're just like going like regular dudes. And um, it will remain that way for the foreseeable future. So yeah i'd rather go as dudes anyway like i don't want to okay. be in a press box and like you know no. have a i did that at, me. Uh,
1: yeah i did that at, um what do you call
0: it yeah that's a smaller event though you, you'll see very quickly that's like a really small event in comparison um nope. and i not that that's a bad thing i'm just saying like this is um i mean they had people finding from all over the country and it was like there was probably Ten thousand people there over the two days maybe maybe 20 i mean it was yep. ridiculously packed ah. um, it, not packed to the point where it's like you're gonna have a panic attack because there's too many people but like packed in the sense of like you didn't know there were this many musicians that actually cared enough about sweetwater to come out yeah yeah anyway uh we're hitting an hour and 50 minutes i think we should call us an early call it so everybody happy new year I yep. don't know if this is going up before or after, but uh, I think it goes after. I think it's going to well, no, it's going to go up tomorrow night, let's,
1: so let's put it up yeah, right before the new year hits. Um, so enjoy your enjoy your night. Are you doing anything special for New Year's Eve? I'm not
0: so oh, yeah. no. uh, you know they had that thing on now. Uh, Facebook has been going around It's like, well if you if you set your clock and and start the New Year's countdown at exactly this time, you can bring in the new year with lieutenant Dan and and if you remember that scene from Forrest Gump, he sits there and he just has to look at his face like a hate. I hate all of you and that's kind of how I I, I am on every new year's because I don't drink and I don't party so for me it's just like hey look it's a new year my my wife brought up a good one though she said if I if I take a shit on the toilet at eleven fifty nine as as it ticks over then I can say same shit different year different month different day <laughs> I might actually try to make this a reality oh, <laughs> oh, yeah Well, uh, that's kind of interesting. If I time it right. (laughs) What what happened to you last night? (laughs) Same shit, different year, different month, different day. Yeah, well, I was, uh, yeah, I I was. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to
1: sit and drink my. So my son um, uh, convinced me to buy a bottle of Heineken that looks like a champagne bottle.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I hate. Heineken. I don't just dislike Honeymoon.
0: Why did you buy that?
1: Because he'll drink it.
0: Oh, yeah. You're like fuck it, drink it. Let him have it. I don't. Jim's like I don't drink, and then like half the time he's he's like drinking some Don Perignon and shit in the background. I Nothing. was
1: drinking. So last week I was drinking uh, that that you, you say that I was drinking. Uh, uh,
0: what do you think I wine. said it? Why do you think I said it? <laughs> Or two weeks ago was not that <laughs> two weeks ago i don't I remember when it was but you were drinking wine on the show and i'm like you don't drink and you're like yeah i know. I don't drink that often i really don't drink that often no you do in the early a, days you were drinking a lot more on the show oh, <laughs> there were yeah. a couple of times where and i can remember like you're like hang on i gotta get a beer like i'm like dude are you not alcoholic?" because <clears throat> he's like always drinking when i'm talking to him and that now so he's a,
1: as a preview next week yes as a preview next week we're going to talk about Wood.
0: <laughs> and we're gonna, oh, we we're, gonna go uh, we're gonna
1: we should talk about tonight we're gonna go tone wooding uh we're gonna talk about it tonight no we no, should have we didn't be, get it. it it's too long um and as a preview also I, two I am hours on that shit tone rant tone wood rant, but here's the thing if you're interested in hearing it, David's gonna find the video or the audio we, I went into a tone wood rant after about five or six shots of Jack Daniels and a beer. And let's just say,
0: um, I don't think that's appropriate show material anymore. I am a light drinker. I I will, I will. Maybe I'll put the cliff notes. Patreon thing. That's a Patreon. Yeah. If I can find it, I'm going to look for it. All right. So it's, yeah, we're right at two hours. For those of you that are like, Hey, Um, have fun guys. Uh, I've been David. I've been Jim we've been the practical guitarists so after that